Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified four victims. Killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your host, Maddie Mack. Todd Fox and Gabby Gabb. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox. And the other host of the show, Gabby. And we are here live kicking off with another episode for you guys. Before we do all that, want to let you guys know where you can find us you can find us on facebook and instagram just type in the grinding true crime podcast and there you can follow our page leave comments we really appreciate it the good and the bad we take them all as always listeners discretion as is advised because we do get into details and sometimes we talk about things that could be very detailed and it might not be suitable for certain listeners so once again listeners discretion is advised <sighs> now that we got that all the way, Todd Fox got an interesting story for us to hear tonight. So uh, without further ado, Todd, you got the floor. Thank you, sir. Uh, tonight's story is about one name and one name only who is synonymous with bullying, and that is Uh-oh. Ken McElroy. Ooh, never yeah. heard of him. Well, Me neither. Well, Wait, you- it sounds familiar, the last name. Yeah, McElroy. I don't know. I don't know if uh, you heard this because it actually comes from a town that we've actually done a story on when we discussed uh, Lisa Montgomery, who was executed uh, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she came from the same small town called Skidmore, Missouri. Sounds kind of like Skid Row. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, right? <laughs> so, S- Skidmore, Missouri, is a city. Um, in Nottaway County on the Upper West Side tip of the state of Missouri. The city okay. the city itself is only 290 acres big. Ooh. Wow. So it's really tiny. Yeah, it's really small. Um, the population of the city at the time of our case in the year 1981 was 384 people. Um, wow. Since then, the population has been in steady decline for reasons that I will explain. Okay. So, but before we travel back to the birth of uh, the 80s, let's dip into a recent history on December 16th, 2004. Skidmore was once again the focus of a national attention when pr- pregnant mother uh, Bobby Joe Stinnett, a rel- relative of Branson uh, Perry, neighboring city of Skidmore, she, uh, she was murdered in her home and her unborn baby was uh, cut from her stomach. Um, yeah. And uh, the the baby, Victoria Joe Stinnett, was found alive two days later in Topeka, Kansas. The killer was Lisa Montgomery, who received the federal death sentence and was executed on the morning of January 13, uh, 2021, in the federal prison in Tierra Haute, Indiana. I know I didn't pronounce that right. Mm-hmm. But this case was all over the news. and we even, Yes, it was. We even previewed it here, and we all had different opinions when we did that show, remember? Yes, we did. Yes, I was very mad. Yeah, I was. I was a Lone Ranger in that opinion. <laughs> yes, exactly. If you want to listen to that episode, we have it on uh, on our uh, archives. You guys can check it out. That's the case we did from stock to bottom and gave our opinion. So that was the first type of case we did on that. Absolutely. So, but this case, we're going to get into a mysterious case with all kinds of twists and turns. Oh, we love the twists. Oh, there's plenty of twists. Uh, yes. Twistis. Yes. <laughs> a lot of M. Night Shyamalan or whatever. However you say his name, hey, butchered it. M. Night Shyamalan? There you go. There you go, brother. <laughs> See, we all have our words we can't pronounce, man. That's that's one for me. And I take a Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's move along, Shyamalan. Oh, God. Let's go. <laughs> so, and over the years sparked many movies, this case, uh, documentaries, even fictional movies after the real-life person, Mr. Ken Rex McElroy. So, so this, this story, it, it goes pretty deep. Um, if you can imagine a real-life Nelson from The Simpsons growing up from a school bully to a town bully, this is pretty much it. 
Dang. But uh, but that's Ken McElroy. And, and again, you can't think of Nelson, you know, being more than just a bully to kids. You can kind of think of what he would kind of turn out to, but this guy takes the cake. He's nowhere close to what this dude gets into. So, so let's start about Ken. Uh, so let's start talking about Ken McElroy here. He was born June first, nineteen thirty-four, the fifteenth kid out of sixteen total siblings. Oh, good lord! Yes. What can handle that? <laughs> fifteen kids. <laughs> it's basically like, Paul, you done farming? Yeah. <laughs> What you want to do? Well, you know. And then there it goes. <laughs> why they gotta have that voice? Though? I don't know, man. It's it's rural uh, Missouri. That's why. That's good enough. Yeah. They no more. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, being the fifteenth out of sixteen siblings, he was not supervised from the age of five onward. Um, he hung out with other local kids and and other uh, older siblings of his. And by the age of 15, he began to get on the townsfolk's radar of skidding. Mm. <clears throat> he began to break into cars, steal things from local stores, even steal small cattle from ranches, and was busy bullying kids his age and older. Older. Okay, I can see him stealing in the cars. So I get that, but how are you stealing cattle? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of farmland over there. I don't. I don't know. I see. <laughs> As small as they, that city was, in that town, nobody saw. I well, you'll see what happens. But uh, this right. this guy is the bully of all bullies. Like I said, it sparked a lot of movies, basically. Um, okay. So he would slash tires um, to intimidate the parents of those uh, kids that he bullied when they try to actually turn him in at school or or try to tell his parents. Um, he would he would openly threaten the parents. Uh, by, oh, the, by this time, he was six feet tall, and no one was going to oh, tell dang. him anything. Yeah. Um, the town of Skidmore had only one marshal, and the nearest mm. police force was uh, twenty minutes away. So mm. they would respond. Re- they would respond to the calls from neighbors or uh, upset uh, townspeople, but they could never catch him in the act, and uh, charges were never uh, filed against him. Mm. With one person in charge, yeah, that would be impossible. <laughs> exactly, and the one person was pretty incompetent, as we'll go on to see. Oh Lord, yep. And, and see, they had several town marshals, but this one, you know, the, the one later on is really incompetent. Um, he was literally known by this time uh, to the people in Skidmore as the town asshole. Literally, that was <laughs> his name. <laughs> what a nick! What a nickname! Yes. <laughs> So his parents were up in age, and they didn't interfere with his doings and never helped the situation and are pretty much a non-factor from this point out. So no parents. What do you guys think of this guy so far? So far, he's a jerk and a brat. And uh, somebody who didn't get any attention from his parents whatsoever because you think at the number 15, they don't care about you. Oh, yeah, yeah. They lost count after 10. Oh, how do they come apart? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like Jaya, James, Jim, Bo. <laughs> like, I don't know. Hezekiah. Yeah, Hezekiah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, good times. Goodness. So, uh, time as time wore on, we're going to get into some stuff where we're, we can't laugh. But but here's here's some of the stuff that he was getting into. Accusations of rape of, of t- other teenagers and some women like just groping them openly as they walk <gasps> as they walk through town. Wow. Yeah. He don't care about anything. No, this guy is he's scaring adults. Like adults don't want to challenge this guy. Um, wow. So he starts he actually gets in a good paying job uh, with the uh, farming getting farming equipment, but he's also making money on the side by gambling, stealing and extorting and then reselling the stuff that he sold. So he always has wads of cash on him. He's banking the money that he does have in other places. So he's coming up at this time. And uh, he is a womanizer beyond womanizing. So not only is he uh, touching up on women, not only is he being accused of rape, not only is he forcing himself on women, he's apparently good with the ladies to to have been married three times. (gasps) Wow. And also... uh, he, uh, by the age of uh, 35, he's already fostered 15 kids himself through various. Well, it rum, 
runs in the family. It sure does. He, so so, but he would he would uh, foster. Yeah, yeah. He would he would be spreading his seed all around that area of Missouri, basically. Oh, for sure. He was probably fostering his own kids. He didn't even know it. Yep. So, at the time of him being thirty-five, um, he was married to a woman named Alice, who was uh, twenty-three at the time, and he had two kids with her. Um, he also had a girlfriend who was, can you guess the age? 18. Uh, nope. I'll go with 16. Nope, too high. She was 12 no, years stop. old. Stop. 12 stop. years old. Wait, what? Stop. Yep. He was 20 what? He, he, he was 35. He was 35. His, his oh. wife was 23 and his girlfriend was 12. Wow. He's yep. a sicko. That's why he fostered kids. Yep, and you'll see how sick this guy goes. So, Ugh. so keep in mind all keep in mind all the stuff that I'm talking about that happens in in town. First off, and then the stuff okay. that he's doing that people people are openly seeing this. So it's not like he's hiding it. He's openly showing that he's got a girlfriend parading her around town, even taking her to his favorite drinking establishment. At the twelve year old. At twelve years old, and nobody tells him anything. Where are this child's parents? Scared of them. Oh, you'll hear about where her 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 um, parents are. So we'll get into that in a second. So the good man that he is, he made her become pregnant at the age of fourteen. <laughs> um, this would be this child, however, would be his fifteenth child. So I was a little ahead of myself. He had fourteen before this. This new newborn that was on its way was fifteen for him. Wow. Wait. So they were his children. They were his children. Yes. I said the wrong thing. I fosters. I'm like, what? Oh yeah, my fault. He didn't foster him. He actually, yeah, these were actually his his kids. Wow. Like like father, like son. Mm hmm. So um, this you know he never took care of the other kids. As much money as he was making, whether he was selling, extorting, doing illegal things, he never took care of his kids except this one. He was vowing to take care of the uh, the little girl who was named. Trina. Uh, shortly after this, um, believe it or not, um, he moved Trina in with his wife Alice in the same home. Mm. The girlfriend's child with his wife. Yeah, so he moved the 14-year-old in with, with his wife and their kids. Oh. And dared her to say something. Pretty much, yes. Wow. So there's not much known about Ken's house and how all three of them got together along with all the kids that were there. But the fact is the, the police were called several times. And one, one month, Trina fled with Alice to Trina's step-parents' house um, because her, her, uh, you know, her real parents weren't, weren't around. So she had step-parents that basically took care of her. Um, she went there to hide with Alice, but Ken would figure it out through whispers in the, and uh, I guess showing his brute force and intimidating people, people gave up where Trina and Alice were. So mm. the good guy that Ken is showed up with a shotgun and uh, pointed it at the uh, step parents and said, uh, you know, we, um, we, uh, I don't take kindly to rejection and uh, this is embarrassing to me. And I know that your real daughter um, I know what school she goes to. I know what classes she attends. I know what bus she rides. I'm going to go take her right now. Or you could just trade me my wife and my daughter and my child back. So. Wow. Yes. Wow. So they didn't have a choice. They didn't oh. have it. They didn't have a choice. So they basically walked them outside. Ken took them in his truck, his famous truck, by the way. He had a Ford and he drove off back into into town to where his house was. Now the step parents thought that this was over. Now this was a Saturday, Sunday, uh, Sunday morning when they went to church, like most God fearing people do in Missouri. Um, Ken returned with a shotgun and the family dog, he blew it away. And then, he, <gasps> and then he proceeded to burn down the house and the farm. What? Yes. All because they took their child in. Yes. So wow, wow. So then, so then Ken returns home. He uh, beats Alice, kicks her out of the house, and he goes to the Justice of the Peace that same day or on Monday, and uh, requests a divorce. He makes her sign the papers, 
And then just an hour later, he bothers the Justice of the Peace again and marries Trina, the the 14 year old. Wow. And can you can you guess? They didn't have laws about marrying her. <laughs> no, they didn't. And the the Justice of the Peace was totally cool with it without a parent's sign off or signature. And can you guess why? That and this is what he put on the paper. Can you guess the reason why he married Trina? Because he she had his daughter. No. She was pregnant again. No. He, he felt that by marrying her, he couldn't be held uh, accountable in the court of law since he knew about the, since he did the fire and stuff, that he didn't want to be accused of rape. That's why he married her. Wow. Yes. He was, um, he was trying to get away with rape of a minor, basically. Wow. So what was the point of going over there, taking the wife out, giving her a beating just to go divorce her and throw her out? This guy... He does a lot of things just per whim and just off the top of his head. I, I don't know why he would make an effort to get Alice back, but it was probably just for Trina, you know? Probably pride, too. And, yeah, that's the thing, too. She, she, he was molding her the way he wanted to have her, and she was actually listening, unlike Alice and other wives. So he wanted her more than anything. I guess she was more submissive than any of his other women that he either raped or was with or married. Mm. <laughs> so the police finally show up and we're talking days later and wow. And they arrest him. Now there's going to be a running thing that goes on with him. And that is the police fail to do anything right. As far as holding him more than 24 hours, despite any charges that he ever gets be, because he has a lawyer and he always has cash on him. And this one defense attorney from Kansas City is like the best in the area. He knows how to prolong, uh, what is it, court cases. He knows how to get guys on bond and out of jail. And he'll do this for Ken several times, including wow. the, including this time where um, he places, uh, they place uh, Trina in a foster home. And uh, they, they tell her to uh, stay there. And they, they set her up and for her child, too, who was just born at this time. They try to keep Ken away, but Ken is out in less than 24 hours thanks to Richard Gene McFadden, which is his famous defense attorney. Um, mm. The money was always there, and so money talks, and you know what else walks, right? Yes, sir. Yep. So um, this would... Oh, go ahead. No, I'm saying that's crazy. Yeah, and so so guess what would happen when they actually would go to court for these things? Can you guess what Ken what, what Ken would do? Uh, well, uh, I would say he he just was so bold. What he admitted it? Nope. Okay. What do you think, Gabby? I'm gonna guess nothing even happened. They dropped everything because he was married to her. No, they, they didn't drop it because of that. They dropped it because not only is, I mean, his lawyer is fantastic, but even he couldn't do what Ken did. Ken would find out where some of the jurors stayed, and he would drive, mm. he would drive to their house, uh, stare into their window or outside their house with a shotgun and firing off shots into the air at all times of the day and night as intimidation. And then he would openly make it known in town and around <laughs> with their neighbors that if they were to convict him something bad would happen to them mm -hmm. so he was found innocent how do even the judge even they're intimidated yes so I mean wow. this guy would be standing in front of their homes and businesses staring and shouting and shooting the shotgun off randomly as a sign of intimidation and again the police and marshals were called and the marshal would come and say, hey, Ken, um, could you stop doing that? And then Ken would be like, no. And then he'd be like, all right, Dan, have a good night. And then just drive off. Wouldn't do nothing. Everybody had that voice up. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They'd just be like, all right. That's it. Dude is a real life this, Nephilim. This guy is running the town. He, he is. Nephilim. He is. And, um, 
these people were witnessing these actions. And they would tell police, and the police would be like, um, you know, um, it's getting a little late to shoot off that gun. And then, uh, you know, because the marshal came by and told you to stop. And he's like, get the F out of my face. And they're like, all right, then. Um, you know where Andy is a good area around here to get some coffee at this time of night? And then they just drive away. So, just so as polite as can be, huh? Yeah, like they didn't they didn't want to push this guy. They were so scared of him. Jesus, man! Imagine being able to do pretty much whatever the heck you want to do. Yeah, I mean, look, check this out too. So people felt trapped as he would shot up. You know, again, shoot the shotguns off at all times of night. He would knock over their mailboxes, break their fences. Um, he would put, um, well, the, the mailboxes he wouldn't break or, or uh, beat up with a bat. He would actually put rattlesnakes in there as a joke so that, you know, they open up and there's a rattlesnake in there with their mail. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was just openly threatening people left and right, and no one was doing anything. So the people that were going to uh, testify retracted their statements all of a sudden. So he wow. he kept getting away, just over and so over. So nobody's gonna testify now. Yeah, nobody's gonna testify. They're too damn scared. They're, they were like, so Mr. Mr. Williams. Well, their last name was the Williams. Mr. Uh, Mr. Zachary. So are you here to say what you said about uh, Mr. Uh, McElroy Montgomery? Uh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> and he's all staring at it. Yeah, he's all like he's rubbing his finger through his uh, through his neck like you're next. <laughs> you know? Dang, this dude, yeah, he pretty much getting away with anything. Yep. And then so then, just a couple weeks later, after the uh, testimony and the he got acquitted of all charges, he went outside to the foster home and threatened the foster parents that were keeping Trina, and he took her back. And they called the cops, and the cops didn't do nothing either. They, that's obviously kidnapping breaking the law and the, yep. co- the cops didn't do anything they wouldn't even show up to ken's house so what exactly were they supposed to do though when they allow him to marry her i don't even know i mean this is this feels like yeah. 1950s uh mayberry you know like for for the andy griffith show instead it's 1981 and they're just not doing a damn thing about it nothing mm-hmm or, or it's close to the 80s. It's actually late 70s at this time. My bad. It's like late 70s. Wow. So. But yeah, what really? It just doesn't make sense that their loss would allow him to marry her, but then they're going to take her away and put her in a foster home. It's like, is she even a kid at this point? Nope. I think they felt that maybe the, the justice would, get, would, would prove it and then they'd be able to put him behind jail. But even then, that didn't work. And when they fi- figured out, like, nothing's working, the cops, the marshal, no one's stepping up to the plate, they're just like, screw it. You know what I mean? But uh, they were, they had good intentions. It just didn't work out. So um, by this time, years went on. Ken continued to beat people, extort, steal, and intimidate with no consequences one day. In 1976, however, while trying to extort a local farmer for some of his goods, Ken was warned to leave the farmer's property. Ken said, F you. Yeah, the the farmer actually stood up to him. Ken Ken said, F you, I'm not going anywhere. I want your cattle and I want your goods, and this belongs to me. The farmer stood his ground. Ken didn't like this and pulled out a shotgun and put it to the farmer's face, saying, I'm going to blow you away. The farmer said, no, you're not. But then he saw Ken's, uh, Ken's finger on the trigger. He moved his head slightly to when Ken sh- uh, shot through the side, uh, well, grazed the neck of the farmer, and then he shot him in the chest. Oh. So he, he just, it was a double barrel shotgun. He shot first, and then he just recocked it real quick and then shot him in the chest. The farmer went flying backwards five feet. And then, God. And then Ken took off. Um, surprisingly, he didn't die. Yeah, right. No, I'm serious. The farmer didn't die. What? Taking a point blank shot to the chest with a shoddy? Yep. Didn't die. Um, the charges were eventually filed against Ken and he was arrested that uh, evening with intent to murder. So the, so the police were like, all right, we got this guy. You know, we finally got him. They came in from the other towns. They, they, they rounded up a posse. They dragged him into court. And Ken was out in the morning. 
So the farmer was still in surgery at this moment, and Ken was already back on the streets. Wow. Of course he was. I didn't expect him to be held there. Yeah, exactly. So as the farmer is recouping at his house a couple days later, come you know, out of uh, the hospital, and you know he made it out of intensive care somehow, no real damage was done. I don't know what happened, if it was buckshot or whatever, but the fact he was at home resting with his wife taking care of him, you know, he should have been able to sleep and just, you know, wait till the court date or recoup, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Ken said... I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Uh, Ken decided to do 100 nights in a row of until the trial uh, began of driving and making donuts in the man's yard, running down his uh, crops with his truck, shooting off his shotgun at all wow. times of the day and night, throwing trash and scrap into his property, trying to intimidate the farmer. And uh, the marshal was called and never showed up. Oh, of course. <laughs> well, the marshal scared of him, too. Yes, yeah, so, so that was 100 this days. This real life bully. He's like, fend for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's that Ken guy, huh? Uh, I got something to do <laughs> here. <laughs> you called 912. You want 911. <laughs> Dang, this dude's a real life bully, man. Straight up. Yep. So how do you think he beats the charges this time? Uh, he showed up to court with a gun and threatened everybody. <laughs> now, if they didn't arrest him for that, I wouldn't. Jeez, please. <laughs> I'm going to guess the farmer ended up being intimidated and decided, I'm going to live. Let's drop all this. Actually, he really wanted to press charges, but since there was no other witnesses that were there at the time, Ken enlisted two of his so-called friends well, actually paid them to testify that he was in another county with them all day and could not have been there at the time of the shooting. Wow. Yes. So with no one else to present backup for the farmer, the drop, the, the charges were then dropped and all uh, charges acquitted. Mm. Yes. So he's pretty much getting away with anything he wanted to do. Pretty much. He's doing whatever he wants, whenever he wants. So from... He's already racked up 20 years of rap sheets of attempted murder, several rapes, assaults, kidnapping, arson, extortion, theft, uh, terroristic threats on people and their their businesses. The townspeople were utterly scared of this man and and just basically told each other, man, we could be next. We just got to stay the hell away from him. You know, like if he comes down the street, we're on the other side of the street. We're not looking at him. Nothing. Yep. So, fast forward to the the incident that broke the camel's back. Um, oh, this is uh, April of 1980, where a piece of candy, a piece of candy, sparked a nasty incident. Ooh, yes, candy. Talk to me, Todd. <laughs> so check this out. There was a local grocery store in the heart of Skidmore, in the downtown area, which at this time was the most vibrant place in the town. Okay. Um, At this time, Skidmore, it was owned by the Bowen Camps. Uh, It was uh, owned by Bo, of course. Bo Bowen Camp. Bo Bo. (laughs) And his wife, Lois, and a daughter, Joyce. Um, (laughs) (laughs) In cartoons or something. I know, right? I love the the Missouri accent, right? (laughs) I know, I've got that one on point. (laughs) You ain't even speak like that? I, I know, right? I don't think he did his homework first. <laughs> Probably not, but that's that's as close as you guys are going to get, okay? <laughs> so uh, one day a little girl came in the store, and Lois, the wife, was watching her at the counter, but she put candy in her pocket. So before the little girl stepped out of the store, the... Um, Lois came over to her and grabbed her by the hand and said, I saw you stealing, girl. And so she read a little scripture to her and said stealing was bad and to not do that. And she actually let her keep the piece of candy. So you you would think that would be the end of the story, right? You would think that? The problem is that child belonged to Ken and Trina. 
It was. Oh. It was their, I imagine. Yeah, it was their little daughter, and uh, the little daughter ran all the way home like a little piggy, and uh, fifteen <laughs> <laughs> fifteen minutes later, I don't know why I'm fat shaming a little child. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so fifteen minutes later, Trina showed up yelling at the family, and she was going ape. You know what? She would cur- curse yep. all of them out in the middle of the store, and said, "You're." And then. Uh, she she left, and then all of a sudden a guy came in and he's like, "Hey, hey, Bo, Bo, oh, you you better get some cover, cause cause cause, cause Mr. Ken Mackerel, he's coming. You're going to meet Mr. Ken. He ain't he ain't too happy. He ain't too happy." And he ran out the store. So two minutes later, after the after the local was you know all flustered and warning Mr. Bo of of Ken, Ken came in with a double barrel shotgun and a knife Uh-oh. and he just stood there with an evil look on his face and a smirk and he was staring at Bo the little daughter Lois's daughter ran behind Joyce ran behind the counter and then Trina got in Joyce in the mom's face and was just yelling at her Lois just yelling at her telling her where she could stick it and everything she was just going off and said yeah. yes. she is no different than Ken yeah he's groomed her big time he groomed her yep so um, Bo just stared, and then he just calmly walked out. Trina stopped yelling, and they both left. Mm-hmm. But Bo had a, had a real sinking feeling in his gut. He knew that the past shooting in- incident a couple years back with a farmer and the rest of the issues that scared the town, he knew that he just started a feud with Ken without even trying. Mm-hmm. So he knew that they were on the same, they were on a path of some sort of uh, fight or showdown. So he was right about both in all of those incidences because Ken and Trina would start showing up at the Bowen camp's residence with a shotgun, staring into the house, shooting at their cattle, almost hitting them, shooting at their cars, breaking their signs, their fences. Um, He would even be on their their front yard to where Bo couldn't keep up his garden that him and his wife enjoyed. Um, This went on. Can you guess how long this went on for, by the way? I'm going to say two months. What do you think, Gabby? I'm going to say six. Uh, Gabby's closer. This went on from April of 1980 till July of 1980. Get out. Yeah, over a freaking piece of candy. (laughs) Four months? Over a little lecture they gave a child? Jesus. Yes, yes. Wow. Wow. Um, so yeah, so then in July, Ken showed up at the store one day in late July and him and Bo got into another one of the arguments. Ken pulled his shotgun on Bo. Bo had enough and said, you're not going to shoot me. And Ken then pulled the trigger (laughs) at the same time and shot him in the stomach. So Ken, uh, Bo went down to uh, one knee and fled the scene. Ken thought he killed him. And took off, uh, but then uh, townsfolk actually saw Ken. There was plenty of witnesses saw Ken shoot uh, Bo in the stomach, and uh, they mm-hmm. they rushed Bo to the hospital. And had they not done that, they would they wouldn't have saved his life. So they actually saved his life. He was able to get the surgery, and he once again was pointed out by the townspeople. Once again, the police came from other agencies. Once again, he was arrested. Once again, he was posting bail in less than six hours. Wow. Once again, the police failed. Yes. And so check this out. <clears throat> so this, uh, he was at the D&G bar, which is his favorite bar in downtown. And while, okay. Bo, while Bo was in surgery and he was bonded out, he was telling people in the bar, which had about at least 10 residents in it at the time, that uh, as soon as Bo comes out of the hospital, I'm finishing the job. Wow. Yes. So um, people around town were really starting to talk and were getting tired of this. And, um, you know, uh, they were tired of, 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 uh, of all the, 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 the problems that Ken was, was starting. So there was a young marshal at this time that took over by the name of Dave. Um, let's see. was Dave Dunbar, who was 24 at the time. Let's go, Dave Dunbar. So... <laughs> 
the residents, including the towns, like you know the the high, you know you know the females that are always on the uh, mm-hmm. school board and all that. They went to Ken or to Dave and said, "Please, Dave, talk to Ken. You know, do do what's right." So, so Dave showed up and uh, you know he's 24, but he looks 13. He with a mustache. If you've seen the video. And he came up to Ken and he was like, hey, Mr. Um, Mr. McElroy, I would like you to please stop doing what you're doing. Stop it, Todd. So. Stop it, Todd. So Ken, this, so Ken put a shotgun to the marshal's face. And, and he said, uh, you say what now, boy? And then, and then uh, Dave said, I would just like to let you know that I am resigning as active marshal. <laughs> and right there on the spot, he resigned. What? Yeah, he did. I thought you was just joking. No, he did. He resigned right then and there. Get out. Yes, the 24-year-old would later take a job as a cable guy two weeks later. That makes sense. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So then, so then the townspeople actually petitioned the local police department 20 minutes away again to please do something about Ken. And here is the actual mm-hmm. quote. This is an actual quote from a sheriff's from a sheriff's police officer or whatever you want to call him, a deputy, whatever, right? Okay. This, this is the actual quote. Okay. I'm not BSing you at all. Like I, I like I filled in some blanks and was joking around about something, but this is the actual quote. So in response, so in response to the female saying, we need you to do something, people are, you know, people, someone's going to die. He's done so much, blah, blah, blah. The, the office, the sheriff uh, deputy says, if you decide to shoot him, kindly call us in a, in a manner that where when we go to pick up the body, it doesn't smell too much. Are you serious? Exactly. So they said, well, if you're going to fence to kill him, well, just don't let him sit in the sun too long. So we're going to burst. Pretty much, uh, you have to go. You take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Pretty much. They were like, well, we don't want to do it, but you guys can. For free. Yes. I'm surprised that at this point, they, the town didn't come together to kill him. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Girl, you were on it. Let's get to the what happens. So, Uh-oh. <laughs> He was, he was once again found innocent in the summer of 1981 on the secondary assault, the murder charges, everything. So just after, so after the trial, Ken was in his favorite bar again, but this time with a shotgun and a bayonet attached to it. He said that he's going to go on a wow. rampage on the Bowen camps. He had, wow. he had Trina with him in the bar, who again is still not 18 by this time. <clears throat> So she can't, she can't even, you know, she's not supposed to be in the bar during the daytime, let alone drinking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's probably got one baby hooked up to a one boob and one to the other and, you know, with a beer in her, you know, like drinking uh, or a, Ken's giving her a, a beer or something, you know. Cigarettes somewhere yeah, in cigarettes. there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, he again says, I can't wait to finish off Bo. Bo doesn't know what's coming to him. So... That we go to July tenth, nineteen eighty one, because that's when it was. And when a date is presented, okay. someone dies. At mm. the at the town's American Legion, which is usually where all the old farts go, the old veterans, and you know the the bingo hall and whatnot. There was thirty residents in attendance, almost forty. <clears throat> the top wow. the topic of the meeting was to figure out what to do about Ken. Got you know, nothing's worked. Years of intimidation. This guy's got to be run out of town. So the sheriff came in there, and he, he, he was there, and he said, you know what, how about you guys put together a neighborhood watch? Or what about we all get together with some torches, and we kindly get him out of town? <laughs> I'm hoping they did number two. <laughs> well, this just enraged the people. And they said, again, again, you're putting this all on us. You guys can't do your job. You're too scared. He's like, well... I've done all I can. I got to get back to my county. And so he takes off. Dang, just like that? Just like that. And so about 35 minutes go by. They're still arguing in the town hall meeting in the in the little uh, American Legion. And uh, all of a sudden, someone comes in the doors. And I think it's that one guy that tipped off the Bowen camps because he came in running, you know, can barely breathe. And he's like, 
hey, yo, Ken is over at the D&G bar, and he's talking about killing Bo. And then the people <laughs> are like, still want Bo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still going to kill Bo. And then the rest of them are like, hey, he's going to kill Bo. What do we do? And then, you know, this sounds like Sylvester Stallone's there, you know. He's like, hey, good. Got to do something. <laughs> yeah. You can't let this guy just wreck everything, you know. So... <laughs> How they go from the Missouri? I don't know, man. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone was down. I don't know. <laughs> Adrian. Yeah. So, uh, what does your guys' voices today? Oh, I don't know, man. Was... <laughs> so, so at this time, the frustration, just the you know, the sheriff leaving, people are just done. They're over it. So, about ten minutes later. All of a sudden, Ken starts walking out to his famous Ford truck with his shotgun and the bayonet. He's got Trina on one side, but she doesn't have no kids. I was just exaggerating with the kids. They actually left the kids at home to fend for themselves. But um, they both get in the truck, and they're sitting in the truck, and then all of a sudden, pop, 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 pop. And then all of a sudden, as Ken revved the engine, he was shot in the back of the head twice and in the back three times. His what? His foot went down on the accelerator. The truck was in neutral. He was in the uh, the um, process of, of uh, shifting into to drive. So the wheels are spinning. So picture a truck on the side of the road next to a bar. The wheels are spinning. The glass is all shattered out. And these guys are good shots because it was three different guns, possibly two. It's not never been confirmed, but it was mo- more than one gun uh, or a bullet, bullet or caliber fired. And then someone mm-hmm. kindly walks up to the passenger side, an older gentleman, and says, Hey, come on now, Trina. Uh, this is no, nothing for you young ones to see right here. Why don't you just go sit down here on the curb? So he sits Trina down as she's screaming bloody murder. And wow. the entire street comes to, to a stop. There's over 30 to 40 people on the street witnessing this. And as fast as it happened, it was over. Everyone turned around and walked away. Wow. Leaving Trina sitting on the curb, the truck still screaming in acceleration, and Ken slumped over in the truck, dead as a doornail. Wow. What's the song? He had it coming. Yes. He had it coming. He definitely had it coming. They unloaded on him. They sure did, and good shot, because nothing. She, she wasn't even hit, not even with glass. Um, I'm sorry, but if I was in that town at that time, I would have totally been cool with let's go kill him because I don't think I could have. A person controlling a whole town? Yes. Evil. Wow. Evil upon evil. So. He was. Oh, go ahead. I'll say he was his own dictator. He sure was. He sure was. And so. The sheriffs and police from other agencies now came because it was a murder. Someone called it in, and they came from two or three different agencies, including the uh, the state police, the Missouri State Police. They came in Ma- mm-hmm. magically. The ones who probably could have stopped all this madness, they finally come in when there's a murder. Mm. When it's the one bullying everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, and they arrived to the scene to find an empty ghost town with just, once again, Trina crying on the side of the road, the truck still in neutral, accelerator still going, not a soul to be found on the street anywhere. Um, the police tried investigating everyone in the town and weren't getting anywhere, and they called the FBI in the next month. Um, Forty residents were continually interrogated by police and several other agencies and other uh, residents that lived that, that knew any kind of thing about Ken were interviewed as far as two towns over, none of them naming anyone that was on the trigger and there was multiple triggers and a lot of people would just come and say hey you know what there was a lot of people there but i have no clue who took the shot and everyone was accountable and 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 putting themselves at the crime scene but no one was taking credit and they could not find any bullets because taking 25 minutes to get there any bullets that were there or at least the uh, shell casings or any kind of fingerprints were wiped away they just knew it was two caliber uh, bullets that were found inside his body but the shell casings and all that stuff was taken. Wow. Yes. So, um, Dang. and then there's a really good quote 
that came from a resident who was uh, in her 60s at the time. So I'm going to do my best 60s okay. impersonation of a female resident oh, in the town of... <laughs> of uh... Get your popcorn ready, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> so when the police officer, and actually the reporter, asked her, because I got this from one of the videos, okay. asked her, okay, what was your thoughts on Ken? Like, why would the town do this? And then um, her direct quote was, that man just needed a killing, I guess. I reckon he just needed to be killed him. Killed him. What's what's killed him? Killed him. He needed to be killed him. Had to be killed him. I, re- I reckon. Now I know what that means. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would have. I would have been the reporter. I'm like, do you guys want to retape that? You might, you know. Can I offer some advice? Just say what goes around comes around. She'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about, Mister Fancy. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness! So <laughs> you leave them people alone. <laughs> so nobody was ever charged, and Trina. I believe it. Trina wound up suing the city, the sheriffs, and the um, the mayor for six million dollars. Now, how much do you think she recovered out of that six million dollars? Six million. I'm gonna say probably a million. What do you think, Gabby? I'm gonna go with like a hundred thousand. Way less. She could probably put. Uh, well, she could probably pay for half of like a brand new car. Seventeen thousand. That's all she got. Mm. Yes. What the heck? She's just trying to take advantage of the situation. I cannot. No, I don't believe that she actually loved that horrible man. No way. I don't know. A lot of people said she was brainwashed, but hey. Yeah, but then again, that's true. But but yeah, I mean, I don't think it was love. I think it was more fear. But she was brainwashed yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. So, with yeah. that being said, we don't usually leave unsolved mysteries on this uh, show. We usually have an mm-hmm. ending. We, we usually try to have like some sort of finality. Um, the finality is Ken got his, but to this day, nearly forty years later, the case is still active and it's unsolved. Wow. Yes. So they never closed it? They never closed it. They never closed it, and there's still an active investigation on who was the shooter or shooters that killed him. And because of this, wow. because of this, the town in downtown, remember how I said it's dwindled in population? The town, mm-hmm. the town used to be very talkative. People don't talk. Um, it's hush-hush, and the downtown area, which used to be the most vibrant area of the town, is like all boarded mm-hmm. up it's like sort of a ghost town there's nothing really going down it's just people live in the surrounding areas around the town and everyone mm-hmm. it's just this eerie part that people think the town has suffered because of they're hiding the secret of murders or murderers and they think it's mm-hmm. they think it's karma basically mm. so unless the final thought on this for me is or the final thing to say on this one is unless someone has a dying declaration that's never going to be solved. The people have covered for each other over the years. Mm-hmm. As, you know what, as they should, why, I don't think it'd be fair that they have consequences for this when he never had one single consequence for all of his actions. Agreed. You know what, that's probably the best thing said tonight. I mean, that's that's a perfect way to sum it up. You know, it's just, it's just I know it's probably eating at a few people, but, you know, nobody wants to get in that mob mentality again you know so Mm -hmm. that's the story of ken mcelroy in skidmore missouri wow i would go to my deathbed with the secret too yep (laughs) see you would have been judge castration though gabby you would have you would have went right where it counts you had been like you're not you may have had 15 but you ain't having one more child you ain't having one more child (laughs) the street justice came through on this one yeah i did but can you i mean we've had a lot of bad like policing on these stories you know like where it's like what were the police thinking they were outright intimidated and i think this is the worst form of policing we've seen so far it's, it's like laughable almost mm-hmm. no, yeah i don't think we've ever heard that somebody on the spot coming up to the subject and saying I resign yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, he, everything. he turned in his badge and he's like hey anybody want HBO 
<laughs> Went straight to cable. Dang. That's sad. That's embarrassing. Yeah, this was this was terrible. And that I've seen some documentaries where a guy went into the town and they mm-hmm. they ain't lying, man. That town today is dead as a doornail, man. And he tried to interview local people and not mm-hmm. since about nineteen eighty four has anyone talked to the media at all. Everyone's just hush hush. They won't say anything. Wow. And they try to ask them, and they just slam the door in your face. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. They're like, we're not trying to relive that. Go away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's dead now. Yeah. Good news. Nobody died in his hands. That is good news. Yes. But the bad news is now they're all sad and miserable. Because mm. nobody can say a thing. Well, they are in Missouri. Yep. Went over your head, Doc. <laughs> oh, wait, what'd you say? I'm sorry. <laughs> but she said they're all miserable. And I said, well, they are in Missouri. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, 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 they're in the... I mean, look, to our Missouri listeners, it's beautiful. We know that. But this part of town, if you guys go up there, there's not much to it. So yes, they they are miserable <laughs> in Skidmore. It's it's real close to being called Skidmark, Missouri. You know, it's not really Skidmark, a, Missouri. Yeah, it's not really a fabulous place to go. Let's just put it. I mean, literally, they're known for Ken McElroy and for the woman that we talked about, Miss Montgomery, who took the baby from another woman's ch- uh, stomach. Mm-hmm. That's all they're known for. Wow. That's sad. Yep. I would have moved away from there. Yeah, exactly. I would have, like, changed the name or did something, you know? Like, I don't know. <laughs> he said change the name. No, I would like, that's the past. Let's go. Yep. Move along. Yeah. I agree. Move, move along Missouri. There you go. I agree. <laughs> so, yeah. Any final thoughts on this one? I just like the fact that the streets took care of justice. I'm just disappointed in the police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that one. So I don't blame the people. True, true. And then, you know, yeah. it's just crazy. They still don't know. So. All right, Matt, you want to wrap this one up? want to let you guys know where you can find us. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in the Grinding True Crime Podcast. And if you want to listen to us on your podcast streaming platform, you can find us on Pandora, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, all those good things. Just type in the Grinding True Crime Podcast, and there you can listen to some of our previous uh, recordings in the past that uh, are really enjoyable. So, and uh, also to all of our out-of-the-country listeners, we appreciate all the love you, you do for us. So, with that being said, this is your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today. Top Fox. And the other host of the show. Gabby. And we are signing off. Thank you. Toodles. Peace.